Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you're listening to the MAPS Step Back Podcast. Let me step back for a minute, tired of the gimmicks, see we just focused on winning. Ball in the airline center, we bout to get litty. Luca carrying a torch, Borden jumped up off the porch. How you reckon with his force? Third season in the game, and he a legend by his fourth. Look, after dirt, now the king of Dallas. Airline serving as the palace. Young team, and it's full of talent. Want revenge, we accept the challenge. Luca carrying a legacy. What it take to be an MVP? Being great, know it cost a fee. Know it really ain't that hard to see hold on wait silence the critics cause they never did it pass out jordan i woke up the city map shooting hot like we straight out the chimney go back to batman i'm calling them drizzy both triple doubles i'm waiting on 50 step back smoother you know it's so filthy if i get down on my team gonna lift me rep the map step back overcame the setbacks starting where we left at no we gotta get back no we gotta get back Rep the map, step back, overcame the setbacks, starting where we left at. No, we gotta get back, like no, we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. 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 How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mav Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg, and today I'm joined by both of my uh, DallasBasketball.com colleagues, Matt Glatson and Grant Afseth. And guys, we uh, we have a good bit to talk about today. Uh, we're going to try and, you know, not keep it too long, but a couple of very interesting topics to, to cover before we uh, get into Mavs training camp, which starts... Uh, a full week from today. So it's Tuesday, uh, September 21st. And a week from today, we'll have, you know, a lot more to talk about. Uh, next Monday is Mavs Media Day, which is always fun. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we got, a, we got a lot to talk about. The first thing I want to bring up, and, you know, Woj, he reported earlier today that uh, Ben Simmons, you know, the plan is he's not going to report to camp for the 76ers uh he's he's pretty much done you know they the Sixers have said like well you know we think we can work this out and you know maybe squeeze another year out of it but you know Ben Simmons he's he's done he doesn't want to be there anymore uh looks like that's gonna you know come to an ugly end in a similar fashion uh that James Harden and the Houston Rockets did last year so We'll see how it goes, but y'all, I, I, I've struggled because I've had, I've had I had these thoughts creep into my head. You know, I, obviously the Sixers aren't going to get what Daryl Morey wants to get for him. You know, an ultimate superstar package. I mean, that's just not going to happen. Not when you played like how Ben Simmons played in the in the postseason last year, but. I've been thinking about it, and, you know, the Mavs, they've said all the right things about KP this offseason, and Jason Kidd, he's he's just, like, gushed over KP, and everybody's talking about how he's going to have a bounce-back season, and it's been his first healthy offseason. And, you know, I agree with all that to a certain extent. You know, if they do start the season with KP, I do think he'll have, you know, a better a better overall year this year than he did last year. But I've started to to just think about, like, man, what if the Mavs just shocked everybody and, you know, sent a trade package back to Philadelphia where it was centered around KP? Obviously, there'd probably be another 
a couple pieces involved there. But if they did that, that would just be that'd be shocking. And I know, especially Matt, I know you have <laughs> I know you have some thoughts on this uh, that aren't very favorable. But I mean, there's no doubt about it that Ben Simmons Ben Simmons is talented. Uh, he's an All NBA defender. Uh, he cannot shoot at all, or well, he can in his summer workout videos, but when it comes to actual NBA games, he can't. Uh, and I've always been of the opinion, if Ben Simmons was placed in a similar role as, say, what Draymond Green plays in Golden State, that he would be best utilized in that type of role instead of, you know, being thinking he's a point guard, you know, <laughs> having him – having him play that type of role like he's been playing in Philly. but And that's part of the problem. It's like, okay, well, is Ben Simmons willing to accept that kind of role? We don't know that. I mean, we know he's stubborn enough that he's forcing his way out of Philly right now. Uh, so, I mean, maybe maybe not. Maybe Philadelphia has tried to, you know, transition him into that type of role and he's just not having it. We don't, we don't know. Uh, but that's my opinion. If, if something like that happened, I would talk myself into it until the point where, you know, Ben Simmons is clashing heads with Jason Kidd because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to play the four. But uh Matt, we'll start with you because I know you have some some specific thoughts on this. But I mean how how would you feel if the Mavs ended up with with Ben Simmons and you know sending off KP to Philadelphia? I think it's a terrible idea. Um and I think it's a terrible idea for a couple of reasons. One of them you talked about he can't score. He provides basically no offensive value outside of being able to be a secondary ball handler, which they do need, but he doesn't provide any other sort of value on the offensive side in my mind, other than that. And to trade away one of your best offensive pieces for that, along with probably a couple of other pieces here and there, whatever they might want, probably Jalen Brunston or something else of value. Um, you know, it just, it just makes absolutely zero sense to me that they would, um, that they would even entertain that because look, the, the one team, this thing does well is offense it, above all else. It's, it's offense. So if you're, if you're going to try to improve this team, yeah, you want to get better defensively, but you can't torpedo your offense to do that. And I think that's what you would do by, by getting Ben Simmons and, and, and outside of just on the court, well, first of all, another thing on the court, actually, he and Luca, I don't think can coexist together because they're both dominant with the ball. Um, both of them want the ball all the time in their hands. They're basically the same player in that sense is that they, they always want the ball in their hands. And that's, you know, to, to take the ball out of Luca's hands and put it into Ben Simmons' hands is... I think a massive mistake because I do think Ben Simmons is kind of trash, but in the last thing that I have a problem with here is he's a drama queen. He's a, he's a locker room cancer. He's a prima donna. He's all of those things. And I think adding that kind of dynamic into the locker room when you already, you know, have such a good chemistry with everybody is, is kind of, it, it's almost like you'd be sabotaging yourself. So it, well, and, and every, I mean, every single part of it to me just kind of reeks of gross. Well, but before you even get into the 
well, you know, would the Sixers even do this uh, or would the Mavs do this and all that stuff, you know, you kind of have to look at who his agent is. So he, he's with Clutch Sports, uh, Rich Paws, his agent. Uh, in the past, uh, you know, it – it's been it's been speculated that you know oh well the Mavs they'll never deal with a clutch client ever again after the Nerlens Noel stuff back in the day but you know it, it's a new regime now Nico Harrison uh, has a has a good relationship with uh, with Rich Paul so I don't know if that would have you know any kind of any kind of you know change on if the Mavs were to make a deal like that or not I don't know what their thoughts are there but. That would be the first hurdle. You have to get over that, and then you get into the, okay, well, does this make sense for our actual team? Uh, because, you know, KP, he, you know, even though he has his his limitations, especially last year when he was coming off the meniscus injury and it looked like he had lost pretty much, uh, I'm not going to say all, but, I mean, his lateral movement was just not not great. You know, he, he wasn't moving near as good as what he was, you know, when he made all bubble team <laughs> down in Orlando. So, uh, I, I mean, I agree with you. To, here's where I agree with you, Matt. All that you said is probably correct if Ben Simmons isn't willing to change his role. Because I do agree that it's a bad idea to take the ball out of, out of Luca's hands uh, and put it in Ben Simmons' hands more if he's not going to, you know, adapt uh, to a role that would better serve this this Mavs team. So, uh, with that being said, Grant, I'm going to go to you on this. I mean, what what would be – I mean, obviously a lot of stuff has to happen and the trade package would have to be uh, – I, I think they'll, the Sixers will end up taking less than what Daryl Morey thinks he's going to get <laughs> for Ben Simmons. But just in a hypothetical here – Mavs trade KP and, you know, something else for Ben Simmons. How do you see that fit? Could it work? And, you know, the way I'm thinking, if he was able to uh, adapt and take on that that Draymond Green at the four kind of role. Yeah, I think um, with with the Ben Simmons idea, I think there are some, uh, like, layered uh, potential concerns that I think uh, whenever you get into the playoffs and then you kind of see, like, the actual progression of how it's working out, there could be some uh, like genuine problems, um, like building off what Matt was saying. Like um, something that I was, you know, just just thinking about is like Ben Simmons sorely struggled from the free throw line, and then Luka Doncic also had some issues with his free throw shooting as well. And if you're gonna run like a high pick and roll with uh, Ben Simmons or just do dribble handoffs or something, then as the game wears down in like a pivotal playoff series or game or whatever the context, you might run into some issues there where um, they're sending, uh, they have their pick of sending a uh, inconsistent free throw shooter to the line and taking away what you would think you're getting out of that. And then you'd also have to kind of be concerned about having a big man next to Ben Simmons as well too, because having that, that uh, baseline uh, help defender, like out of the dunker spot or wherever you're going to stick the other big man, um, to rotate over and send Ben Simmons to the line when he's rim rolling or driving to the rim um, as well. Um, that's also a potential problem too. Cause like he, uh, he was involved very heavily uh, playing off of Joel Embiid as like a dunker spot guy cutting from uh, the weak side, all that stuff. I just don't think um, like when you just look at the Mavericks offense, if you're going to take away uh, the other talent as well, um, like shot creating talent, like 
to make a trade happen and the spacing with, with Porzingis, I just don't really see the end result, like lifting your team up, if that makes sense. So I, I take it you would probably of the, be of the opinion, and I'm sure Matt would, would be of this opinion too, but if you're going to do something like that, would it make more sense to at least wait like maybe a month or so into the season and just see what what KP looks like? Uh, you know, because, I mean, like I said, it, it's been hyped up all offseason, and, I mean, there's there's reason for that. I mean, it's just a fact that KP has never had a fully – healthy offseason, uh, you know, which speaks to his injuries earlier in his career and, you know, why people have concerns going forward. But it's just the fact that he hasn't had an offseason like he has this this past one. So uh, is it worth it to wait it out and just see how KP plays these, these first couple of months of the season? And if something isn't resolved with the Ben Simmons stuff, I mean, is that is that something you take a risk on if the KP stuff – isn't working out the way they thought it would, you know, after this summer or uh, how would you approach that? I think honestly, um, just watching the, like Porzingis is play in the regular season. I think uh, uh, if you're going to go into the season with him and evaluate it, I don't know. Like I, I think uh, with, with Simmons uh, just kind of more the the thought behind it too, is that like, the main issue with KP is you got to see specific things. If he has improved, like the ability to capitalize against switches and things of that nature um, for the offensive concerns. But Ben Simmons also can't do that either. Like to build off of Matt's point, um, he went like four of 10 on post-ups in the uh, um, playoffs. And uh, he barely was used really, um, as a uh, pick and roll ball handling scoring threat as well too. Like I, I just feel like you're gonna have uh, similar overall problems even if Porzingis doesn't show improvement in his particular concerns against switches with uh, swapping him out with Simmons because I think he's just gonna always have those problems uh, in his own right. So you're almost like just switching the style of your problems is essentially kind of what I'm thinking with the with that. But my, my other question is, what evidence do we have that Ben Simmons would even entertain switching his game style or, or switching his position or doing anything that the Mavericks would want him to do to um, to adjust to playing alongside Luka? Because he's he's such a head case. He's such a he's such a prima donna. He's such a he, he's just not an enjoyable person. At least that's the vibe that I get is that he's a constant problem. And I mean, he's not like off the court doing stuff, doing dumb stuff, but like he's, he's just very headstrong. And he, I don't think he's the type of personality that's going to want to change anything that he does. He's he's, he would come into Dallas thinking that, okay, I'm the best point guard on this team. And that's what I'm going to play. Like, I just, yeah. I, don't, I don't see any evidence that he would ever change that. Yeah, that 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 is a big hurdle because it it does you do get the vibes that Ben Simmons is kind of like a I don't know he just he thinks he's better than he actually is and I mean I don't want to be too harsh on the guy because when you're an all when you're an all NBA defender you know you have some talent and he's shown what he can do offensively distributing the ball and you know going to the rim and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, we've seen glimpses of what his shot looks like in the offseason, but then it just doesn't translate over to 
to uh, NBA games. But, you know, I I mean, you're right. There, there is no evidence uh, to say that, uh, you know, he would be willing to take a take on a different role. So I don't know. I mean, I I've just gotten to the point now to where and I don't know if I would I don't know if I would do it immediately. Uh, like I was, you know, presenting to Grant a while ago, I uh, with with the situation the Mavs have with KP, and given what we've seen that KP is capable of uh, when he is completely healthy, I am curious to see what he can do in the in this, this first month or so of of this new season. Uh, if he comes out and looks like he did, you know, before the meniscus injury, which isn't guaranteed, but I mean, if he comes out and looks like that. And then the Mavs replace Josh Richardson with Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown, <laughs> then you, you have something there. Uh, so it'll be very interesting uh, to see how all that Ben Simmons stuff plays out. And the Ben Simmons stuff, you know, even if the Mavs don't make a play for Ben Simmons, you know, they they could still benefit from a Simmons trade because I honestly believe that might be. And Grant, he, he mentioned this to us a, a long time ago, you know, as uh, saying that the, the Raptors could potentially uh, make a trade for, for Ben Simmons. That could be something that's holding up the Goran Dragic uh, stuff for the Mavs. So, you know, if they, if they end up trading him to Toronto, then, you know, that $19 million that Dragic is making, that could be used as salary filler going back to uh, Philly. Uh, if if Simmons gets traded somewhere else, then maybe Toronto's like, okay, well, you know, that was going to be our our biggest <laughs> opportunity to use that 19 million for Dragic in a trade. So then maybe they just you know trade him to K- uh, OKC for something so they can meet the. Sal- We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed gallery floor and then he gets bought out and you know matt throws a parade because it's <laughs> <laughs> is on the team so that's well, another that's another thing i've thought about we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, yeah, but but here's one other thing, too. Like, if we're just talking about defensive talent, I mean, I would rather just keep Frankie Smokes than have to deal with Ben Simmons and, and tie up all that money in Ben Simmons if we're just talking about defense. I mean, that's just me. That's probably – I mean, it's it's one aspect of the game. It's It's not everything else that he would bring. But if we're just talking about defense, then I would rather have Frankie Smokes on the cheap. Yeah, Frank Frank Nilakina. That that was a very what I called a uh, a very low risk but potentially high reward move. Really love that it's a a one plus one deal with a team option, Uh, and that's another guy. You know, he's he's good defensively. The the offense is spotty, and you know he hasn't really proven a lot there, but. Uh, he did, you know, show promise with his three-point shooting last year. So, and he's only 23. So, I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe that'll turn out well for him. Uh, but, yeah, just – so, moving on from Ben Simmons completely. I, I know that stresses you out, Matt. I won't I won't give you a headache anymore with that. But <laughs> moving on to another guy uh, because we've seen some – I'm not even going to say rumors, but I've seen people, like, try and present – uh, with the John Wall situation, because it can't. There was a report that came out that uh, the Rockets were going to work with John Wall to try and find him a new destination. And honestly, I'm not going to say he can't be traded because I honestly thought he couldn't be traded uh, before he was traded to Houston because I thought that contract was horrible and he hadn't played in so long and everything. But uh, even though he's playing now and he seems healthy. You know, uh, a guy that shoots barely 40% from the field, uh, you know, about 30, 31% from three, uh, you know, his overall uh, production with, you know, points per game, stuff like that is okay, but the efficiency just isn't there. I just don't know who's going to trade for a guy like that uh, making $44 million a year. So I've seen people, you know, present – the idea of maybe having some kind of trade package with with KP, 
uh, going to Houston for John Wall. And like like you with Ben Simmons, Matt, I think that would just be an absolute disaster. Uh, I, I would not do it. I mean, I know the Mavs need secondary ball handling and shot creation and all that, but uh, I just – I would not do that. Now, if it, if it comes to a point where, you know, he's on, on the buyout market and nothing's happened with, with Dragic yet, then that's when I, you know, would be very interested with, with a John Wall – uh, Mavs pairing but even then I mean it, it seems like his likely destination would be the the Clippers because he's been <laughs> he's been spotted out in public lately uh hanging out with with Paul George I believe but uh Grant just going to bounce this one back to you but I mean I, I I don't I don't imagine that I'm going to have much uh pushback on this but I I think you know uh, what do you think you think it's also ridiculous to even entertain uh, a trade for John Wall? Yeah, I, I do. Because honestly, like uh, the guy signed a Supermax contract, had two season ending injuries. And it, it's great that he played uh, like a good amount of games last year uh, after those injuries. But as you said, the efficiency was not strong at all. And uh, like, yeah, I just, I just don't really see why you would trade. Like, I know people you know, including myself, criticize uh, Porzingis for his playoff performances, but he's 26, and I know he has injury concerns in his own right, but he, um, like, directly helps with his spacing and shooting, uh, ball screening, all that stuff, Luka Doncic, and that's your focus, and I don't really see how, like, John Wall taking pull-ups after taking the ball out of uh, Luka's hands uh and not really consistently converting i'm not really seeing where uh where that really helps you for sure yeah and i've seen a lot of people you know say like oh you know john wall is about four or five years younger than uh goran dragic so you know he's more athletic and you know maybe maybe you know that would be the better option i still think dragic at age what is he 35 yet yeah he's 35 so uh, I think I still think Dragic at age 35 would be the better option for the Mavs, not just because of the chemistry he has with Luca, not just because you know they're basically Slovenian brothers and all that stuff, but you know the efficiency is better. Uh, the the overall production isn't that far off, uh, and I mean, yeah, he's not he's not the athlete that John Wall is, even after you know, all the injuries and everything, but uh, he, you see the best production from Dragic when you get to the postseason too. Uh, so I, I would still, I would still like to wait it out uh, for Goron, but if something happens and John Wall was bought out and it was a, you know, it wasn't a big commitment and you're not having to, I mean, you're definitely not trading for him, but if it's a buyout situation and it's, it comes on the cheap and there's not many strings attached, I would be, I would be okay with an experiment uh, with John Wall. What do you think, Matt? Uh, I'm trying to think of a way to say something positive about this idea, but I just can't. Um, if it was buyout, <laughs> then then. Yeah, that's one thing, but it's he he had he had some moments last year, um, in the Rockets like did a couple of okay things before they torpedoed and became the worst team in the NBA, but he's just washed. Um, 
Dragic is clearly a better choice to me as well, just because, um, yeah, he's older, but his his play and his all the things that you mentioned, Dalton, are it's it's more about it's more than just about what he can do physically. If that if that makes sense, it's not all about athleticism in the NBA. I mean, yeah, that obviously helps, and John Wall's a better athlete, but there's just this is just another thing, and I, I'm not like trying to be classic mad step back Matt where I just shit on everything, but there's just, there's just not a lot to get excited about with, with John wall either. And I don't, I don't, um, I don't see how it would work out in in really any way unless there was a buyout, which that would be a really expensive buyout. I, well, and look, we we got a little bit, (laughs) me just, just, just looking at, uh, at the box scores here. But, you know, it's also a little bit – I don't know. It's like one reason – it's kind of like with the DeMarcus Cousins stuff last year. When, when he was available, everybody was like, oh, why, why aren't the Mavs adding DeMarcus Cousins? Because he had like his best game of the, of the year against the Mavs by far. Like his efficiency was bottoming out. And he had that one just spectacular game against the Mavs, and everybody's just like, "Oh man, <laughs> the Mavs need to sign Boogie Cousins." Well, I, I, I'm almost wondering if I'm having a little bit of that towards John Wall because he had that one game last year where he had like 31 points, uh, seven assists, four steals <laughs> against the Mavs, uh, and the Rockets won. He shot, you know, 12 of 23 from the field. So 52%, 40% from three. So uh, I, I'm almost wondering if that's like – because, I mean, I, I'm going to – you know, we don't sit around and watch every Rockets game. Grant might because uh, he watches everybody all the time. But, you know, Matt, you and I, we <laughs> we don't watch the Rockets very often, you know, unless they're playing the Mavs. And that's, that's one of my lasting impressions of John Wall last year. But then you get you look at the whole picture, you look at his efficiency and everything, and it's like, eh, eh he wasn't that great. And you, you, I don't know. Uh, like I said, I, I'd rather wait it out for Dragic, but if he does you know, end up on the, on the buy, buyout market, I'd be willing to give it a shot. You know, it's kind of like the Frank uh, Nilekina situation. Uh, he's on a minimum deal going into training camp no strings attached for year two, you know, if something happens, if, if he's not good enough to make the final roster heading in, into the season, you know, you can, you can cut him and it's just for this one, it's just dead money for this one year. And then it won't matter heading into the off season and beyond. So that's where I'm at. I mean, this team, uh, given the limited off season stuff after they missed on Kyle Lowry, uh, you know, uh, options, Options are very few and far between for this team. So I'm okay with them taking chances on stuff like this. I, I really like the, the Neil Aquina signing. Uh, I'm not going to get too hyped up for it, but I do see where it could be beneficial for them uh, going forward. And like I, like I said earlier, it's one of those really low risk, but potentially high reward moves. So, all right. So uh, both of you guys, I uh, hadn't talked to y'all and, you know, couple weeks well i hadn't talked to grant in a longer time but matt it's been a couple weeks for us and then uh the last pod i did over the weekend i did uh our first uh, live podcast on fireside 
And one of the topics I talked about with uh, with my guy Ruben on there was about Luca and, you know, how he's kind of, you know, taking – he's kind of taking this offseason or it seems that he's taking this offseason a little bit more seriously than in years past. And, you know, we kind of talked about whether that was because of the social media trolling uh, that people have have given him – uh, in recent weeks when the, the hookah Doncic stuff came out, <laughs> because then it's like, Oh, well, look, Jason Tatum's in the, in the, uh, the weight room, uh, working out while Luca's just smoking hookah and he doesn't care, uh, which obviously isn't the case. You know, Mark Stein, he did a, a one-on-one interview with Luca and Luca revealed that he's literally had two weeks off this entire off season. Uh, and I said, even before, the Olympics ended like just him playing in the Olympics this summer was huge because I feel like back in the day, like every time Dirk played for Germany uh, in the off season, like he'd come back and just have a, a killer regular season uh, for the math. So I feel like that's kind of going to be the case for Luca now, uh, even before all of this, you know, social media crap he's had to deal with. Uh, I thought he was primed to have a really, really good, uh, regular season regardless but now it looks like he's taking it up to the next level he's been posting more stuff you know showing uh, kind of the off-season regimen he's been going through and I mean I guess my question to y'all is do you think this is more of like him reacting to what he's seeing online or do you think he basically just doesn't care and he just wants to show people that he is working because in my opinion, I think it's more of how the season started out last year. I think he's probably got that in his mind. Like, Hey, you know, I, I I was out of shape at the beginning of last year. It took me a while to get into it. And, you know, the team kind of struggled a little bit at the beginning because of that. So Matt, what are your thoughts on Luca heading into this season where he is an MVP favorite for the second year in a row? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that the, him playing in the Olympics was great. Um, you know, that he needed something to motivate him to stay in shape over the summer. And like, I get it. Like you're, you're going constantly through the NBA regular season. So like when you, when you get to the end of the season, you're, you, maybe you can kind of fall into some bad habits or you just, you want to relax. Maybe you relax a little bit too long, but the, I mean, the last couple seasons he's, he's come in and he hasn't exactly been in shape. Um, but you know, I, I like that he – I don't like the perception that he that he wasn't taking this thing seriously. Like, the hookah thing did bother me because it's like, give the guy a break. But um, I, I do like that um, that he's, he at least seems to have a little bit more motivation this summer and it's kind of kept the train rolling through the Olympics. And um, I also hate Mark Stein for getting the one-on-one interview that I've been trying to get for four years now. But you yeah, know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luca is a very hard guy to uh, to get in touch with. That's for sure. Um, but you know, Grant, I'll just ask you this because I mean, I I, I try to get a. I don't want to say that I'm not objective because I do try to look at things, you know, objectively. Even though I followed the math forever, and you know, I. I don't know. I, do, I I try to be objective, but sometimes I think, well, maybe I've got my, my Mavs lenses on a little bit more. But just from your perspective, I mean, 
is it fair for Luca to be the MVP favorite again, uh, given what happened last year? Because I personally think it is. Because when I look at how last season ended up, the Mavs were the fifth seed. Uh, you know, if 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 they hadn't gone through that COVID spell during the season, or if Luca had come into the the start of the season in a little bit better shape, and KP wasn't you know rehabbing from his meniscus injury and missed part of the first. Uh, first part of the season, all that stuff together and Maxie having issues and just multiple injuries and all that, I feel like it could have, you know, because Luca's numbers last year were MVP worthy in my opinion. So I feel like if there are a couple more spots up in the standings, if they're in the three seed instead of uh, instead of Denver, then maybe you have this conversation that, that Luca does win MVP last year. So uh, I guess where, where are your thoughts on Luca as the MVP favorite heading into this season and the probability of that happening. Yeah, I definitely think uh, it makes a lot of sense, especially when, you know, you just kind of take a look at the landscape a little bit and see that a lot of uh, top stars who previously were MVP candidates are kind of stacked up uh, with each other. And that kind of negates from their ability to win it. And, um, you know, some of the stars, you know, even like uh, Nikola Jokic who did win it, um, you know, him having Jamal Murray out, you know, they can still be a very good team, but, um, yeah, it's like, it's not an easy landscape for, uh, for him to necessarily repeat as well too. Uh, I think it'd have to be a very, very like, uh, dynamic season from him. Um, and I, I, I know Giannis, um, could contend for it as well too. And he's going to have a lot of eyes on him after the, uh, you know, the NBA finals run. But I think, um, you know, Luca's going to put up those monster numbers as you as you said, and it's just about the wins. Like they're they're going to be right there um, for contention at the very least, and it'll just be a matter of uh, you know if the the players that they've added raise the floor for the regular season enough to uh, to put it over the top essentially. Because you know they like the three and D additions. Um, you know, if Porzingis stays healthy, all that stuff. Um, I think they're going to be a better regular season win total team for sure. And that'll probably be the definitely the biggest factor. Yeah, I, I feel like if I feel like if the Mavs are at least get home court, you know, I, I think that's the biggest thing. They have to get home court, probably have to get a top three seed. But I, I feel like the voters for MVP welcome a new winner, if that makes sense. I mean, I I'm not sure that they'd have as much voter fatigue just after one year, but I feel like if Luca is right there with Jokic and Giannis and uh, the Mavs are in that top three spot in the West, uh, you know, during the regular season, it's going to be very, very hard for them to, you know, to not vote for, for Luca because he just does everything for that team. And, uh, you know, I think that's the next step for him is, is getting to that MVP MVP level. And that would be another notch. And I don't know if y'all saw it. I'm sure y'all have because I've posted it a few times over the last year, year and a half. But when Luca got drafted, he did this thing for Bleacher Report, like where he was like projecting out his career <laughs> for the first five years. And he was just like year one, rookie of the year. And then year two, he was going to buy a new car or something. And year three, all-star, all-NBA all that, all that stuff. Basically, he's been on point every single year in those projections. <laughs> and so, going into year four, uh, it, 
that's when he uh, predicted MVP, I believe, on that video. So it's all in line for Luca. He's sticking to that uh, to that projection he made for himself on Bleacher Report. But uh, guys, it was great getting to chat with you today. Uh, like I said, we weren't going to take this too long, but just wanted to hop on here and talk about a couple of different trade and buyout topics and stuff like that. And uh, things are about to get ramped up. Uh, we got a bunch of content coming for you at dallasbasketball.com. Be sure to go over there and uh, read all the stuff we're posting on there. And then, you know, like I said, training camp starts next week, and then it will be preseason. And then October 21st, Mavs play the Hawks, and we'll be off and running. So we'll have a lot of uh, pregame and postgame content. We'll get back to doing those uh, those postgame pods more often and all that good stuff. But uh, we appreciate y'all coming in and listening to us every week. Uh, be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. And like I mentioned earlier, if you haven't already, go download the Fireside app and follow me on there. I'm at Dalton Trigg, and uh, you'll be notified every time we start a live room. Uh, we've got some some really good guests lined up for the next couple of weeks before the Mavs uh, before the Mavs start the preseason. So. Be sure to do that, and you'll be notified when we go on there live. So, guys, appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your day, great rest of your week. We'll see you next time. Let me step back for a minute. 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 Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.